Welcome to Crime Watch Daily Podcast, a daily podcast on the latest serious crimes around the U.S. Now, here's your host, Dr. Carlos. Our serial killer this week is Gerald Stano. He was an alleged American serial killer. He was born in Schenectady, New York. His given birth name at birth was Paul Zenninger. His natural mother neglected him to such an extent that when she finally gave him up for adoption, when he was just six months old, county doctors declared him unadoptable because he was functioning at what they described as an animalistic level. Even ingesting his own feces to survive, so more than ha- more than what's happening here, he's had severe neglect. I don't know if he had physical abuse or not, or sexual abuse, very possible as well. Um, but you can see here the psychological damage already done to Gerald early. And we, this is an early profile. Normally we talk about the crimes he committed, but we'll get to those in a little bit. But by all accounts, the Stanos were loving parents, but discipline problems nevertheless plagued their adopted son all his life. So his natural mother, again, neglected him to such a degree. Now, any kind of form of child abuse, genetics, all those things are not deterministic. They can be overcome could take a lot more work, but they can be overcome, especially in a loving home. But sometimes even a loving home isn't enough. It depends on how much damage or dysfunction there is that happened to that individual. We'll continue on with the story. Here in C's and D's in all subjects in school, he lied compulsively and was once caught stealing money from his father's wallet to pay fellow members of the track and field team to finish behind him. So what we have here in his teenage years, he's already being deceptive. He's going against social mores. He's lying. He's breaking the law. Maybe not a very not big. Maybe he hasn't stolen a lot of money. He only stole it from his father. But these are all little tiny antisocial behaviors, as they would call it. This would be conduct disorder in the clinical sense. That's what it would be known as, the conduct disorder. He ended up graduating high school at the age of 21 and did not attend college. So we have this kind of behavior early on. I don't know what happened between his baby years and his high school years. We don't have that information, but that high school information we do get, he's already exuding the signs or exhibiting the signs of conduct disorder. Stano admitted that he began killing in the early 70s when he was in his 20s, but also claimed to have begun killing in the late 1960s at the age of 18, which is very possible, um, but they also tend to lie a lot. So we're going to have to figure that out as we go through. Several girls, several girls had gone missing in Stano's area of residence at that time, but since insufficient physical evidence was found when these claims were investigated almost 20 years later, Stano was never charged. He was most active in Florida and New Jersey. By his 29th birthday in 1980, he was in prison for murdering 41 women. So we'll look at a little bit of what had happened here with him. Controversy has long accompanied Stano's criminal history with some believing that Stano was actually a serial confessor. That's what I was telling you about earlier. Stano's arresting officer, Detective Gadbury, who challenged the decision to accept Stano's first confessions as valid and in 1986 signed a legal affidavit stating unequivocally that Sergeant Crow was responsible for spoon-feeding Stano the intimate details of unsolved homicides. According to uh, Detective Gadbury's affidavit, Stano merely parroted the information back to Sergeant Crow, while other veteran homicide officers later made statements to the effect that they too had witnessed Crow helping Stano to confess to crimes he hadn't committed. Crow's colleagues recalled how he actively gathered information on unsolved murders from foreign jurisdictions and during sworn testimony. Crow himself recalled enlisting the help of a local reporter. Kathy Kelly testified that she used her newspaper's archives to locate details about murders. 
Further controversy surrounded the fact that Stano, in spite of his 41 murder confessions, was brought to trial for just one homicide. That of 17-year-old Kathy Lee Scharf, who was murdered in 1973. The conspicuous lack of physical evidence corroborating Stano's confessions made it virtually impossible for jurisdictions in Florida to prosecute. And Stano's previous convictions were exclusively the result of his own guilty pleas. Following a hung jury, prosecutors introduced the testimony of a jailhouse informant, Clarence Zaki, who was later discredited when another man against whom he testified, Wilton Dedge, was released. Stano confessed to killing the murdering Mary Carol Mayer. When Stano was asked to describe Mary Mayer, he stood up to give her height and weight by gesture and described her as being tall and athletic. Stano's description of the victim was accurate. On further questioning, Stano gave a correct description of the, of the clothes Mary had been wearing. When Crow said Mayer was wearing slacks and a shirt, Stano corrected him and identified her as wearing a white shirt with animal designs. Stano also described how he murdered Mayer. His description of the wounds matched the autopsy report except that stab wounds in the back had not been included in the medical report on Miss Mayer. So Stano stated that he had stabbed the victim in the chest as hard as he could. The autopsy reflected that her sternum had been broken. Stano further described the road which he traveled with her body, how he wrapped her in a foam padding or ticking, and how he left the body in an area near the airport placing palm branches over here. So if he did murder this woman, it would be an organized killer, right? He was able to uh, make contact with her, but especially... Uh, dispose of the body. I don't know how he made contact where there's only thing we don't, he didn't mention here. But we do know, at least the way he's covering up the body is an organized killer. The disorganized, he's violent in the way he killed her. Uh, if he did. Stan also confessed to the murder of Tony Haddix, had been listed as a missing person from Daytona Beach. At the scene where the portions of the body had been found, detectives found that there were similarities between the murder of Tony Haddix and the murder of Mary Mayer, particularly the fact that branches of small trees had been used to cover the bodies of both victims. Stano knew details concerning the victim which the police did not know. For instance, when Crow asked Stano if he knew something about the victim which the police would not know, Stano stated the van Haddix had a cast on her arm. When Crow asked Stano if, he, if it was a sling cast, Stano said that it was an arm cast. Other victims were Nancy Hurd, whose body was found by the power lines. Linda Hamilton, who had been reported missing from the boardwalk area, found on the beach near Smyrna, and a host of other individuals. Stano was an adopted child, as we mentioned. This is something that many point to when looking at certain killer motives, including Stano, but it wasn't his mother that was totally to blame for his anger towards people, particularly women. As a kid, he was not all there mentally. He had a lot of mentally challenged issues. He had problems learning, and to add to this, he had a massive problem with his coordination. He always fell over, usually for no reason, so more than likely he was probably teased and bullied by other kids, which made him feel even more insecure and marginalized in some capacity. As he got older into more trouble and more trouble with his police, spending a few years in the military academy before graduating high school, once that was out of the way, he found himself working at a filling station for his adoptive dad. As one would expect, he, made a, he met a few women at this time, but all rejected him, sometimes even going far as far as laughing in his face. It's no wonder that he came to hate all the women. Years later, he would tell of how some women used to pull his hair and even throw beer bottles at him for no reason. Stano made his first kill in New Jersey in 1969 and then moved on to Pennsylvania the next year where he killed six more. In 1973, he went back to home to California where he would kill another 33 over the next seven years. He favored victims. His favored victims were sex workers or prostitutes and hitchhikers, which is a typical MO for serial killers, but he did manage one cheerleader and a 13-year-old. He killed the women through various methods, strangulation, gunshots, and stabbing. 
The interesting thing is Sam did not rape, so it wasn't sexual motivation. It looks at control, maybe retribution for being laughed at. Psychiatrist said this was because he drew enough satisfaction from the act of murder to even care about sex, which I agree with. Uh, Stanley made no final statement and stared straight ahead as he was strapped in, mustering only a small smile towards his attorney. Stanley confessed that he choked the girl repeatedly and dumped her body in a drainage ditch before cleaning up and going roller skating. Stanley later confessed to 41 murders, and he was the first electrocuted inmate since, last, since March 25th in 1998, I believe it was, when flames shot from behind inmate Pedro Madrino's face mask. So again, we don't know how this goes with uh, Stano, but it looks like he was eventually convicted for these murders. He confessed to 33. The number has ascended to 41. 22 bodies were found identified and credited to this killer. Listed below, I mean, if you list below a few, some of the many brutal stories, we're not going to get into all these stories. But let's find out how he approached these individuals. So... Mary May were one of the first ones, the good-looking 20-year-old hitchhiker, what she was described at, made a decision in 1980 that she would regret and cost her dearly. After some time at a bar, she walked out of the bar looking for a ride. It wasn't long until a man took notice and pulled over. She got in the car. They drove only a short distance before she realized she was in trouble. At a red light, the man put his hand on her leg and said, I want some right here, where he was met with mocking laughter. She did not laugh long, though. Uh, her hysterics turned into terror only moments later when he exposed the blade. She lunged for the door, but his grip was too strong. And Gerald began screaming, repeatedly ripping the knife into her chest. Her body flung, hung forward and limp. She still tried to attempt to open the door. Stano abruptly pulled her back and punched many holes in her until she moved no more. So you can see here he, he was an opportunist more so than anything else on that for that one. Uh, for another one was Tony Haddock. She was a prostitute forced to live his, this life by a man she stayed with. She was ready for someone to love her. She would never get the chance. One night Tony was on the street. She had been in so many times when a car pulled up and man offered her 30 bucks. She accepted it. He took her in and off they went. She only got worried when he kept driving. She was used to just doing the thing around the neighborhood or close around the corner. He eventually turned down a dirt road. Her right arm was in a cast, and he began hitting it and laughing at her pain. He then stopped and forced her to go down on him. When she had finished, she reluctantly asked for her fee. Without delay, he reached under the seat, grabbed the knife, and stabbed her twice in the car. Then he dragged her body from the car and commenced to ram again the knife into her head another 38 times. He pulled the corpse out of the way from his car and threw tree branches on it. So, again, an organized killer in the sense of maybe he wasn't deceptive or charming to these individuals, but he was able to figure out a victimology that would work for him. And in this case, uh, sex workers, hitchhikers, individuals that were becoming more vulnerable. And he would take them into the vehicle and uh, use the knife to kill them. The knife is much more personal, as we all know. It's much more violent. So he has a lot of anger here and a lot of retribution, more than likely, for the behavior at least as he perceived it, that was made towards him. Now, some argue that maybe it wasn't his mother completely. I think it's part of it. He was angry at the world. He's angry that he even existed. He's angry at these women for rejecting him. He's angry at a lot of different things in life. Why did he happen now? I'm assuming the rejections at this point, at the fragile age of 18 to 20, when you're still looking for identity, Obviously, I don't think it was really mature. Our prefrontal cortex for males doesn't fully develop to 25. Um, if you have other neurodevelopmental issues, it could be longer, if at all, to get a full development. 
So there's probably reduced volume in that prefrontal cortex, making him much more impulsive, uh, much more emotionally reactive, has low anticipatory function, which means they don't anticipate consequences in their actions. Morality is low. So a lot of these factors combined could have all led to Stano's behavior and his anger and rage that he had for these individuals. That's our brief analysis for this week. That's it for now.